Hello and welcome to the menu. Markus program on great food, drink and hospitality. I am Markus Hippi. In the next 30 minutes we'll hear from some of the greatest chefs in the Nordic region. Helena Puolakka is working at Helsinki's famous Savoy restaurant and at Cafe Savoy, which is a new opening in the Finnish capital. And when I talk about Southern French inspired, I talk about the entire strip from Biarritz to Italian coast and what beauties of ingredients and style of food fits into that. And I think that's sort of in essence what Café Savoy will be. And here in London we meet Sweden star chef Björn Fransen, who has just opened his new restaurants in Harrods department store. I came back and then it's like, oh, it's too heavy. We, we are sort of stuffing the guests. We need to light things up. So that's what we did. We will also cross over to Canada to find out about the great food at Toronto's new Ace Hotel. All that, the week's food and drink headlines and a dinner soundtrack recommendation too, ahead in this episode of The Menu. To Finland first, the Alvaralta designed Savoy is one of the most iconic and loved restaurants in Helsinki. In one of the city's most anticipated restaurant openings of the year, its owners have just launched the French-inspired Café Savoy that aims to offer a more relaxed and easygoing dining experience than its fine dining cousin. Monaco's Helsinki correspondent Petri Burtsov sat down with Savoy's chef patron Helena Puolakka, who began by explaining what the new restaurant is like. The food philosophy of Café Savoy, I think it's more relaxed, it's more easy approach than Savoy. And when I talk about Southern French inspired, I talk about the entire strip from Biarritz to Italian coast and what beauties of ingredients and style of food fits into that. And I think that's sort of in essence what Café Savoy will be. There can't be any competition between Savoy and Café Savoy. I'd like to see that people who come to Savoy, they come to Café Savoy as well, but it also would become a sort of focal point in a very central of Helsinki, place to visit regularly and enjoy food and life and music and uh, the entire scene of being in a restaurant. Speaking of the food, you said the inspiration has been the south of France. Often when we think about south of France, we think about Provence. But as you said, you see south of France as the whole strip that covers the southern part of the country. How is that reflected in your menu? Can you give us some teasers of the menu of maybe some dishes that are not so typically only from Provence? Tarte down of Boudinois, for example. It's not on my opening menu, but it will be on my menu on some stage. You know, they have a beautiful Boudinois from somewhere in Gascony, or beautiful beans and cassoulet, you know, earthy winter food. Or equally, you know, very classic salad niçoise. There's nothing wrong about classics. And I think, you know, salads are very close to my heart and having fantastic terrines, pâtés, soupe de poisson provençal, not bouillabaisse. Bouillabaisse will be on a menu on some stage, but on my opening menu we will have the soup de boisson provençal, which is a creamy fish soup that entire fish has been used 
and blitz inside and has the flavors of fennel, tomato, a little bit of orange and it's just super a smooth and rich fish soup with a little bit of lemon berbena aioli. You feel the sun, you feel the, all the different ingredients but it's very peasant soup in a way that you marinate, you caramelize and you blitz and you make it like a vegetable soup but it's a fish soup and, and, and that's very close to my heart and that will be probably my favorite opening dish. And you are working with some local producers from around France to get the best possible ingredients for your dishes. Could you name just some of your sort of highlights that you will feature? Poulet de Bresse is one of, probably one of the best chickens in, that France can produce or the world can produce. I will have a beautiful coquelet from Poulet de Bresse, which is a baby chicken, and that will be roasted with different spices. Or lamb from Cisteron, Haute-Côte de Provence, and it's one of the, you know, most amazing lamb producers in France. You can compare to Pyrenean lamb or, or Agneau de Lozère. And, you know, having a lesser part of the lamb but I want to use it because the produce itself is so incredible. And finally, I also wanted to talk about your love of the French cuisine, and I understood that Café Savoy is very much a manifestation of your love affair with the French cooking and the cuisine of the south of France. Tell us a little bit more about what made you fall in love with that cuisine in the first place. At the end of the day, I think it's the, the fact that in the ingredients, the produce itself in France, all over the France, they are just so perfect. And they are loved, and the culture has been there forever. And I think the love for food, generally speaking, and the produce itself, I think that's, that's incredible. And I'd like to see people, you know young people uh, fall in love with food in the same way. I try to teach this to my children, <laughs> to fall in love with the same way into ingredients and the seasonality and all the best produce. But it's hard, I suppose, for people who, even when you don't deal with food in a similar way. But for me, I'm passionate about food, and I think the fact that you have whatever it is, if it's a Brittany lobster or oysters or the chicken or the cheeses or the you know the lamb you you name it whatever it is or the beans and the cassoulets and the sausages everything that you get under the map of France Pierre Kaufmann a legendary Pierre Kaufmann said to me that you know when God created the world on the seventh day he dressed and on the eighth he created France and I think I've never forgot, forgotten that because I thought, I remember, I was working for him at the time. And I thought, you know, that sounds quite mm, crazy to say that aloud. But, you know, it's, it's a fact when it comes to food. You can argument that when, with Italy and Spain and all the other foodie cultures and in essence. But at the same time, you know, there is there's truth to it. And we will be able to enjoy all that love that goes into it in Café Savoy. Thank you very much for the interview, Helena. Thank you. Björn Fransen is one of Sweden's and the world's most successful chefs. He currently has six Michelin stars altogether, with his self-named restaurant in Stockholm, Fransen, holding three of these stars. 
Now the top chef has just opened his debut restaurant in the UK. It's called Studio Fransen, and to make the launch even more special, its location is unique at the premises of Harrods department store. The 112-cover restaurant, rooftop terrace and bar span two floors in a custom-built space. I met Björn at our Midori House studio to talk about the new launch, his career and cooking philosophy. Björn started by explaining how food became his career after stints as a professional footballer and in the military. Well, you know, sort of like the the real stuff happened in the early 20s. Um, But my first introduction when I decided to become a chef was uh, I was 12. And I had, um, you know, a ribeye with French fries, uh, homemade sauce bernaise, uh, the perfect tomato and red onion salad. Um, and it was a hallelujah moment for me. So I decided that there and then that, you know, I need to become a chef so I can learn to cook this so I can eat it every day. And how did you take your first careers in hospitality then after having been in the army and have, having had a career in football? Well, um, sort of fairly close to where I was living in a suburb of Stockholm, and there was a one-star Michelin restaurant. So after the army, I had no job and I had no professional career in football left to go. So I called them and I asked, uh, can I come by? So, you know, I stepped in there and that's how it started. <laughs> I would imagine everything went quite smoothly. When you think what's been happening over the years to this date, what are those restaurants that have taught you most and who are those individuals who have taught you most? Oh, you know... Um, most of my career, you know, I worked in London for seven years. So obviously, um, Tom Aikens um, was a huge influence. And then I went over also to Paris and worked with a chef called Alain Passard. So um, I think it's a combination of the people you work with and then sort of like you form something on your own out of it. How do you describe your cooking philosophy nowadays, your style? Mm, well, it's a little bit of a combination, obviously place um I'm, I'm you know stockholm is in the nordic region and the lightness comes from i would say the, the especially the asian food and especially japanese and then obviously my background with you know cooking in in, in london and paris um it's it's very french also so it's a combination of mostly nordic and asian uh with a touch of france when did you start getting those Asian influences? What's the story of that aspect of your cooking? Yeah, um, maybe it, it, it was about 10 years ago and I did a trip all the way through Japan and I realized that there and then I came back and then it's like, oh, it's too heavy. We, we, we are sort of stuffing the guests. We need to light things up. So that's what we did. So we, we, we removed most of the lactose, most of the fat and most of the gluten. And sort of, yeah, a lot lighter in that way. And especially when you're eating multiple courses in a row. If you look at it from the beginning, um, it, you know, tasting menus, it came from the keseki style of, you know, the Japanese culture, uh, food culture. And, you know, the French actually discovered it like 150 years ago, brought it back to Europe and kind of destroyed it with all the gluten and fat um, and cream. So I, I went back to the original and started studying the keseki kitchen. What were the biggest revelations you understood when you were doing those studies? I, I, I would say, you know, it, it's a way of eating a tasting menu. If you look at the tasting menus restaurant we do. Um, so, you know, it, it's how the menu is built up. And it's also a challenge. I mean, you know, obviously fat, it, it, it brings flavors. It carries flavors. So if you're not going to have all that fat, you need to cook differently. So very interesting. Now we're doing this 
interview just a, a few days before you are due to open your new restaurant in London, Studio Francais, and that restaurant is opening nowhere else than at the world-famous Harrods department store. How did that come about? Who got in touch with who and <laughs> what happened then? Yeah, um, Harrods called us. Um, because they decided that, you know, we, we want to attract more evening traffic um, and we want to, you know, spend a lot more sort of energy and time into our food and beverage program. Um, so they actually called me and um, they told me it, it's on the top floor with the only rooftop terrace and night bridge. So, yeah, I mean, it, it got me excited. What does it tell about Harrods that they decided to call you out of all people? <laughs> well, I don't, you know, obviously, you know, we, we have um, a good track record now of doing restaurants globally. And th- there's not really any Swedish chef uh, operating in London in that sense. So, you know, they wanted to bring something new to the market also. And I think it's a combination of our sort of Nordic Asian thing that attracts. Absolutely. And what's also significant about this opening is that we're talking about a custom-built space for this restaurant. And that's something that's been basically built for you. What was in that space before, for example? Yeah, I mean, it, it's the old uh, hair and beauty saloon. Um, so it's um, 7,000 square feet, uh, top floor. So it's, it's been a long journey, obviously, to build a restaurant where it's never been a restaurant before, especially in a, in a you know, building like Harrods. Um, so, so it's been a challenge, but uh, a cool one, I would say. It, it turned out beautifully. Two floors, I have to add as well, for yes, this place. two floors, two floors, yes. You talk about those challenges. What have been the most challenging aspects or stressful aspects of launching this restaurant? Well, I would say, if you ask from Harrod's side, <laughs> is that uh, I, I, that Swedish chef wanted an open fire in the highest listed building in the world. The insurance company wasn't that impressed. But that, that was a challenge, but I got it. I got an open fire to cook uh, most of the main courses from. I also wanted to do flambe out in the dining room, but then they said, no bloody way, man. Um, so, you know, obviously working with open fire, in Harrods been a challenge yes and uh, also you know rooftop terrace building oh but no (laughs) what about the greatest feelings of achievement so far well you know for me it's coming back to London obviously spent seven years here most of my sort of training and career and background is from London so to come back to London I think London is like the fourth or fifth biggest city in Sweden (laughs) if you look how many Swedes live here really yeah that's what it is. So coming back, it, it feels huge. Um, and coming back, being at Harrods, I feel honoured, privileged, uh, excited and nervous. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the concept of the restaurant as well. Let's talk about what's on the menu. It's not a place for a set menu, is it? No, no, no. A huge a la carte menu. I would say it's like a, a sibling or a little sister or little brother to our fine dining three Michelin star friends. Um, so, but in a la carte format. So, um, yeah, um, a lot of mains cooked over open fire and starter-wise, a lot of, you know, sort of fresh crudos, uh, raw starters, uh, oysters, and then also some signature dishes that's been with us um, over the years. What is your thinking about set menus? I thought it was a little bit surprising that this restaurant doesn't do that. It's too big. I mean, obviously, um, set menus for me, it's <laughs> I like to cook for around 20 people a day for that. This one, um, we have more than 100 seats inside, uh, 80 on the rooftop terrace. 
I mean, I, I think I would need like 450 chefs to cook a tasty menu for <laughs> the amount. Sense. Yeah, so that, that won't happen. So no, uh, a la carte format, available all day, mm, that kind of thing. And what's on the menu? Oh, it's everything from, you know, a simple, we have spent like a lot of time trying to, you know, make a twist out of a Caesar salad. Everyone knows a Caesar salad, but, you know, we, we you know, trying to make um, sort of like an Asian twist to it. And it's mixed out in the dining room in front of the guests because look at the Caesar salad. It's one of the things that mostly it's tastier at home. And why? Because everything is cooked fresh and then served straight away. So that's why we're mixing it out in the table. To more complicated stuff like, you know, um, raw starter with hiramasa with, um, you know, salted lemons and truffle dashi to a surf and turf combination of um, reindeer and um, the fatty tuna otro with the Swedish vendens roux. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it, um, it's, a, it's a big one. How do you source the ingredients? Do you have regular shipments coming from Stockholm? Yes, we do, and especially with the Nordic parts, obviously. And, and then we spend a great deal of time here sourcing around in the UK, and you've got amazing ingredients. Um, the salmons uh, we find out, and also especially the lamb. It's amazing all year round available. So I'm I'm impressed and jealous about the ingredients. I wish we had uh, that sort of quality in, in and, and the amount in Sweden. What do you get from Sweden then? You say that the UK has got great ingredients. What's coming from Sweden? Mm, obviously, you know, it, it's a lot coming to sort of flavoring stuff. So, you know, pine shoots and uh, Vendens Row from the river of Kalix up north where Father Christmas is living. Um, we got, uh, you know, moss lichens. So, yeah, mo- most stuff like that. I mean, but, but most fresh ingredients, obviously, sourced locally. Björn, you have opened quite a few restaurants already. Does it get any easier or any, any, any less stressful? You said, you said earlier that you're a bit no. nervous already. Yeah, no. no, it's not. It's just <laughs> um, sometimes you question yourself, why the hell am I doing this? But no, it's great fun. Um, but yeah, easier and easier. We, we obviously, I think this is my 11th or 12th restaurant opening in my career. So obviously we have a way of doing it. Um, we're not guessing. We know what we're doing. But, you know, th- th- there's no shortcuts. You've got to go in there, you've got to grind, work hard, and whatever happens, it's going to be a lot of problems. So a lot of problems need to be solved. Do you get self-conscious? Do you worry about restaurant reviews coming out in newspapers, for example? Mm, I'm... I, uh, good question. No, well, you know, we're questioning ourselves all the time, but we do it internally. I think we're harder on ourselves than maybe sometimes the reviewers are. So, but yeah, I think it, it, it's with all reviews or whatever. Obviously, you know, it, 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 restaurants are so personal, even though I'm not living in London. Uh, it's personal. It's personal with the restaurants in, in Singapore also. So if someone doesn't like it, 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 um, it hurts. It always does. Björn, being a fellow Nordic person, I know that Swedish... Work life has got certain rules, and and one of the famous things, at least in Finland, is that at Swedish workplaces, you discuss everything through with your employees, and then you make decisions together. What kind of a boss are you? You have your history having worked in London and having worked in Sweden. So, what kind of a boss are you? Mm, there can only be you know one lead singer in the band. That's something, but a restaurant i mean i think we are 100 and a little bit more than 110 people working in studio friends and in herds 
obviously it's not about me, it's about us. So, you know, it's a teamwork. Um, it's the same as football. You know, Ronaldo or Leo Messi won't be as good if they don't have good team players. So, no, we do it together. We do it together. And I want people to be able or feel like they can express themselves and come with good ideas. And, and then we discuss it and then we choose a road and then we go down that road. If it's left, straight or right, you know, discuss it together. Do you think your background in football or military helped you? A lot. Because How? it's all about teamwork. So I think it's very important. And I can see also background of, you know, some of my best people that I have with me, they have background from elite sport or whatever. So it's all about setting up a goal and then get there. That, that's, that's what it is. Now you have operations in quite a few places at the moment. Stockholm, Bangkok, Singapore, Shanghai and... To buy as well soon. How, how do you keep everything together and running smoothly? How do you how do you divide your time, for example? Um, well, you know, I'm I'm based in Stockholm, um, but I enjoy traveling. But my, you know, I'm based in Stockholm, and, and, and I, that that's where I live and and operate from generally. But uh, what I do is that I, I do create all the dishes in all the restaurants in our test kitchen. So that's a way for me to sort of control quality. And I, I don't want to step into the restaurant in Bangkok and then, you know, a guest asking me like, oh, what's this sauce? And then I have no idea, you know. Uh, it, it, it's my job. So that's how we operate, obviously creating all the dishes all over. And, and then we go from there. And finally, Björn, your plans for the future. What's in the horizon for the rest of 2022 or even 2023? <sighs> Well, tw- this year it's all about now the opening in London and then I have a long Christmas break. Um, and then next year, obviously, we're busy with five restaurants opening globally. So, yeah, that's it. And, uh, you know, planning to come back to London as soon as uh, the premiership k- kicks off. And um, I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm at uh, Emirates and seeing Arsenal. <laughs> Björn Fransen there, his new restaurant studio Fransen has just opened in Harrods department store in London. Up next to the week's food and drink headlines, here is Monocle's Lillian Fawcett. The French baguette has been added to the United Nations Intangible Cultural Heritage List. UNESCO recognised the artisanal know-how and culture of baguette bread when its 24-member committee met in Rabat. The French UN delegation celebrated by waving their own baguettes in the air. Ukrainian borscht cooking and traditional Chinese tea-making also joined UNESCO's list. American food delivery firm DoorDash will cut more than 1,000 jobs after making too many new hires in the pandemic. CEO Tony Hsu announced 1,250 corporate roles will end, or about 6% of the workforce. DoorDash recorded record venue during the pandemic, but rocketing costs mean it's been operating at a loss. Veganism is on the rise in Japan, driven by health-conscious consumers eating fewer animal products and a growing availability of plant-based meat substitutes. Analytics company Global Data forecast 5% annual growth in Japan's vegan meat product market by 2026. More restaurants and food vendors are offering vegan versions of the classics, like ramen and gyoza dumplings. Italian vineyard Fiori Mondo has announced a new wine aged in marble containers. Fuori Marmo, a Cabernet Sauvignon, was aged in 35-ton blocks of white marble, treated with acid to minimize oxidation. It comes in at €1,085 or $1,134 a bottle. 
Thanks, Lillian. You are with The Menu. Next to Canada. In July, Ace Hotel's new outpost opened in Toronto, nestled below ground level inside the hotel, which was designed by the revered Canadian studio Shim Sutcliffe Architects, is its flagship restaurant Elder. Helming the wood-fired kitchens is executive chef Patrick Chris, a familiar name in Toronto's fine dining sector. Monocle's Thomas Lewis went to meet him about his ambitions for the food and drink offering at Toronto's new Ace Hotel. We wanted a neighborhood restaurant that people would come to, not just for the hotel, but we want like a we want an excellent restaurant. All of our restaurants, we want them to be fun, energetic, a good vibe, and friendly service, great service, and delicious food. So it's, you know, we're not very uh, complicated. We're just simple, and we like to do simple things that are classic, and just do them very well. We maybe put a little twist on it, but yeah. And the open wood fire, can you walk us through that, kind of how maybe the challenges that brings or why there was a desire to have that as the sort of key key component to, to how I things are going? I was told it was supposed to be like, okay. <laughs> it was designed in the kitchen, so it's like, we have to use that. <laughs> so that's basically, and that, and so, you know, you have wood fire, so you're going to have a Mediterranean feel to it, more olive oil, more lemon, less butter, less kind of French jus, and... We're still getting used to it, but as the time goes on and the time we you know restaurants should on the one-year date should be a lot better than on the first date, right? So we just keep practicing with it, keep testing, and um, keep listening to our staff and our customers and what they like and what they don't like and give them what they like. And is there still something quite sort of energizing and refreshing about you're talking about, you know, quite open about this is still a bit of a learning process with this specific part of the yeah, kitchen? The fun part about opening a restaurant is... Day one and day 365, they should be different. They should be better. And you should know what it's like when you first open a restaurant, you don't really know. You, you can guess. You can think, okay, people are going to like this. People aren't going to like that. This is what the service is going to be. This is what the cocktail is going to be. But it, the process isn't done when you open the restaurant. It's like, okay, what's working, what's not working? And it kind of evolves into something that's hopefully a restaurant's going to be around 10, 20, 30 years. And at the moment, maybe you could walk us through some of the dishes that you and the team here are, are preparing so far. Maybe walk us through why they worked as a menu, the, the kind of menu that you wanted. The way we do the menu is we kind of take our proteins and or take our vegetables and we just start cooking. So my dishes might not really work that well, but maybe an aspect of the dish or a sauce, they'll cook it. This part's really good. What can we do with this? So we like to keep it simple, I think. We talked when like no more than four to five steps per plate. Some main courses have two steps, uh, three steps. So we just like to keep it simple and tasty and give people what they want. You know, we have a suckling pig. We bring in whole pigs. We roast it. We pick it down, and it's just basically a pilate of, of pork, a little bit of pork jus and crackling. We have grilled sea bream with uh, saffron vinaigrette, so grilled on the flame. Get a nice char on the skin, super crispy, and then... Still a little olive tapenade and a saffron vinaigrette. So simple and tasty. And it's a whole fish. You can share it for two. Or if you're hungry, you can eat it by yourself. You know, we have uh, endive salad. with We take grapes and we roast them over the fire uh, with a mustard vinaigrette and some candied walnuts. We wanted to create a menu where you could, people, people like sharing. People like a table full of food and kind of picking at it. So that's what we, that's how I like to eat. That's how like the team likes to eat. So that's kind of what we went for.
And for an international audience, sorry if this is asking you to explain things are very obvious to, to an audience here in Toronto, but maybe you could give us a bit of your own sort of story of the dining room that you're known for kind of here and the, you know, your own sort of career and some of those philosophies you touched on there, how those have been forged by you over the, your career so far. So we opened Aolo restaurants at Queen Espadina 2015. We had 11 tables and a little bar. And everyone asks me what my philosophy was and you know, what was the intention of Allo. And I, was just, I just wanted to have a nice restaurant. And we had, I think we did a five-course menu for $89. And it's kind of, we just keep you know, pushing there. We keep trying to get better. We keep trying to find better ingredients, better training for the staff. We have a great team. And it just kind of grew into something that it is today. Now we're, we have a wait list of sometimes up to a thousand people a day. There's when we release reservations for two months out, we're sold out in probably 45 minutes. I would have never guessed any of this. So then, you know, as you grow, you want to give your staff opportunities to grow with you. So, you know, we opened Alouette, which is a small 36 seat kind of diner style restaurant below Allo. And then the opportunity came in Yorkville. So we, we've always liked grilled food and steaks and martinis. So then we opened a place in Yorkville called Alabar. And then right beside Alabar, another space opened up was available. So we took that and all of our restaurants are fairly small. So we, we decided to do a private dining room there called Salon. So that'll seat around 36 to 40. And it's just strictly private events, curated menus for, you know, basically we'll do whatever the client would like. And then COVID hit and Alouette was kind of the darling of the company there because burgers and fries and fried chicken. And it just kind of took off during COVID. We were doing just insane amount of takeout. So then we said, well, why don't we try to do a only strictly takeout restaurant? So then we found a space in Liberty Village and it's called Alouette Go. So it's predominantly pickup and delivery. And then we have a few other projects working, but this next one is Alder and the Ace Hotel. I think a restaurant is more than just food. It's like a sum of everything. So it's the music, the lighting, the room, the service, the drinks. So it's like everything. You need everything to have a fun, vibrant, successful restaurant. You can't just have good food or you can't just have good service. You need a little bit. Of, you need it all to kind of make sense and and to come together. And just very finally, an obvious question, but how are you feeling so far about how everything's been going? Uh, it's going very well. We have a great team. We have a great core. Like everyone else, we need staff. So if anyone wants to come work here, um, let's plug. Um, but it's going very well. We're happy with it. And is that quite unique, having three spots, I suppose, that all have to have some kind of conversation with each other, I'm guessing, but also have a distinct... Have its own conversation. I think you have when you eat somewhere, you don't want to, okay, where am I right now? You have to, should know that you're in the Ace Hotel, but I think each space has to have its own identity. So, you know, one day... You can come here three times in a week and have three different experiences, which I think is important. That was Patrick Chris, consulting chef at the Ace Hotel Toronto, speaking to Monaco's correspondent in the city, Thomas Lewis.
And that's all for this edition of The Menu. Remember that we are back with a new episode again on Friday at 2000 London time. That's at 1500 if you're listening in Toronto. Meanwhile, do check out our menu spin-off show Food Neighbours for great recipes. And obviously you'll find many more reports on great hospitality from the brand new edition of Monocle magazine. I am Marcus Hippi. Our studio engineer was Callum McLean. Once again, we finished this programme with a dinner soundtrack recommendation. This week's song is from Italy. Here is Georgia Duma with Through Your Hands, Love Can Shine. Thanks for listening and until next week. <laughs>